This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. I dialed 911 with one hand, raised the broomstick with the other, and quickly opened the door. I still get the chills when I think or talk about it. And at that moment, I wished I could grab the words and take them back. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to Thrive Market for supporting Disturbed. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Join today at thrivemarket.com disturbed to get 40% off your first order and a free gift. Welcome back in everyone, and thanks for joining me. Today, I'm bringing you four true horrifying tales that are sure to keep you up at night. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. A couple quick things to mention at the top of the show. First, if you're a listener on Spotify, you can now leave a star rating for Disturbed right inside your Spotify app. So if you've been enjoying the show, go ahead and head over to the Spotify app and drop us a star rating with one easy click. We'd appreciate it. Secondly, I've been appreciating everyone sending in their own stories either through the online submission form or via email, but one area we've been lacking in just a bit is voicemail submissions. I'd love to get some more of these into the show, so I've made voicemails even easier than ever and accessible to all, including international listeners. Simply visit disturbedpodcast.com hotline and you can record and submit your story straight from your phone or computer. Any creepy, scary, or unexplainable encounter Maybe you've had a cryptid or UFO sighting. Maybe something terrifying or just completely bizarre happened. Maybe you've seen a ghost or something you just can't explain. I'd love to hear about it. Share your story or just let us know what you think of the show. The time limit has been increased to six minutes as well. So go ahead and be as detailed as you like. Again, that's disturbedpodcast.com hotline and share your story. And no story is too big or too small. I know you guys have had some crazy and scary experiences out there so don't hesitate to send them in. Now, something really cool is I now have the ability to privately respond to each message. So if you send something in, you just might get a voice message back from yours truly. And with that being said, let's get rolling. We open the show hearing from Reddit user Alternate, featuring voice work by John Patnode, and we discover someone in our home. So, this happened a long time ago. At the time, I was living alone in a first-floor apartment. My girlfriend had been sick at the time and ended up in the hospital dealing with a rare disease. She recovered fine from it, but during those weeks, my life was pretty much go to work, go to the hospital to be with her, come back to the house for dinner, and then bed. It was a Friday night, and I was alone, so I decided to distract myself by reading and watching some videos on YouTube. Hours passed, and at 3am, I was in bed with my iPad in hand, almost falling asleep. 
Then I heard it. I knew that sound pretty well. You see, outside, right in front of my bedroom door, there was this long corridor that leads directly to the kitchen. This apartment was in a building built in the 50s, and the kitchen door was old and had become slightly bent. That meant that whenever you turn the doorknob to open the door, it would snap out of its place with a distinct clack sound. That was the sound I had just heard. A lot of thoughts ran through my mind in that moment. Had I dreamt it in my semi-sleeping state? Or maybe the sound was real, but what happened was that the doorknob internal mechanism broke and it opened by itself, or of course, maybe someone was in my house and they had just opened the door. At this point, my heart was racing and I started considering my options. I had a broomstick next to my bed. You may ask why I had it there, and to be honest, I had it exactly because I lived alone and thought one day I might be in a situation like this where I would need a weapon. My girlfriend even used to joke about it, but I guess that my paranoia was now paying off in the most unfortunate of situations. So I decided I was going to take the stick on one hand and grab my cell phone on the other. I would open my bedroom door while calling 911 and if no one else was in the apartment, I would just apologize to the operator on the other end of the line and explain the situation. However, back in those days, my cell phone wasn't yet a smartphone, and it had this feature I found interesting, even though I never used it. If you pressed on a couple of specific keys, it would start ringing like someone was calling you. It was meant to be used if you wanted to simulate you were getting a call to get out of a boring conversation or a tough situation. Clumsily, I pressed on those keys and the phone started ringing. I quickly shut it off, but now it had become clear inside the apartment that I was awake. If someone was outside my bedroom, they certainly heard it. What was going to happen? I stopped for a few seconds to hear my surroundings. Nothing. It was dead quiet. I decided to continue with my plan. I dialed 911 with one hand, raised the broomstick with the other, and quickly opened the door. As soon as I did that, someone sprinted in front of me to the corridor and quickly got into the kitchen, closing the door behind them. I screamed, hey, and started pursuing, but a split second later I thought, stop. What if there's someone else in the apartment? What if another intruder sneaks up on you from behind? In front of me was the corridor to the kitchen, but on my left was another corridor that led to the living room and office. The office had the light on, so the intruder had been there, but I didn't know if he had company. I took a step back into the entrance of my room so that I wouldn't be caught off guard. Sir, are you there? The 911 operator was calling me on the phone. I quickly explained to him what was happening, gave him my address, and he told me the police were on its way. They had a patrol car nearby, so I should just wait. Then he hung up. The apartment was dead silent. I was terrified. There were only three things I had been able to notice in the intruder. He had a light-colored sweatshirt with horizontal black lines, dark hair, and he smelled really bad. In fact, the smell was still in the apartment and I could still sense it. The police arrived after seven or eight minutes, which felt like ages. The apartment door was next to the bedroom, so I managed to quickly approach it and unlock the door to let him in. I explained what had happened to the police and they said that we should go through the whole apartment and check every single hiding place. They had seen situations before where a burglar had hidden himself for a long period even after the house owners had called the police to later attack them. The apartment wasn't that big, so it was easy to conclude that no one else was hiding there. 
In the kitchen, it was obvious what happened. It had these large windows that faced the back of the building where we had a small community garden. I had left one of the windows open, and next to it, on the outside, there was a large drain pipe along the wall. The intruder used that pipe to climb up to my window and get in. The police left to go around the neighborhood for someone matching the description of the sweatshirt I described. While they were gone, I could still smell that horrible odor the intruder had left in the apartment. After around 20 minutes, they came back. They couldn't find anyone. The burglar was long gone. Luckily, he didn't have the chance to steal anything while he was in my apartment. But the audacity, I mean, he must have seen the light on in my bedroom through the edges of the door and still he tried walking past it to steal something from the office. I didn't sleep that night. In the morning I went to the garden in the back to try and find any further clues about the intruder, but couldn't find anything. A neighbor in the building next door was at the window and I called out to her. I told her what had happened, she just smiled and said, Well, welcome to the neighborhood. We all have stories like that in this place. You should never leave your windows open and maybe you should consider getting some bars to protect them. The next day, I bought a motion alarm and installed it in the kitchen. I've never had another experience like that in that apartment, but to be honest, I never slept the same way in that bedroom. Traumatized by those events. At night, I would fear hearing again the sound of the kitchen door snapping out of its place. A few years later, I moved out to a larger apartment in another neighborhood. This time, it was on a seventh floor, so much harder for intruders to get in through the windows. So, to the intruder that came to my apartment and smelled really bad, let's not meet ever again. Are you listening alone? Rather brave of you. Next up, we check in with Reddit user Icy Obligation, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas. And we find bizarre circumstances in the hospital. Years ago, I was working nights as a phlebotomist the person who draws your blood, in a hospital. There was this doctor who was notorious for ordering recurrent tests incorrectly. He would order a single draw when he really needed a serial draw 90% of the time. But because one in 10 times he really wanted a single, you always had to check with him. This night happened to be the start of daylight savings. So at 1.59 a.m., the clocks would turn to 3 a.m. instead of 2. At about 1.30, I get an order on my screen from this doctor. I was the only phleb on nights, and I worked with two techs. I sighed and showed them. Look, Dr. X ordered this test again. I'll see if he's on the floor and if he really wants this or the serial draw. I went up to the floor and he was at the nurse's station. I remember it so clearly because he was wearing plaid black and yellow skinny pants under his white coat. I couldn't stand the guy, and I thought his loud, ugly pants just drew attention to his loud, ugly personality. I walked up to him and said, Hey, I just got this order for your XYZ patient. Did you mean to order the three serial draws? He was dismissive and said something like, Of course I did. Can you just draw three? I, of course, 
cannot just come poke a patient three different times without orders. So I asked him if he could reorder it and I'd go back to the lab to print the stickers and come right back and do the first draw. I drew a couple of patients quickly, knowing he'd take a few minutes to get the order in, rode the elevator back to the lab and checked my computer. It was 1.58 and the orders were there, so I printed them and stuck my specimens in the centrifuge while they printed. I pulled the labels off the printer and looked closely and realized he had ordered the single draw again. I pulled up the order code, wrote it down for him, and went back to the floor to just ask him to order this exactly. When I got to the floor, he was standing exactly where he was when I had come up the first time, but he was wearing plain black pants. I assumed some bodily fluid had forced him to change, and I knew he was going to be really annoyed when I asked him to reorder the labs. By now, it was definitely past 1.59, so the clocks were reading three-something. I asked him if room 2008 had thrown up on him or something, and if that's why he had changed. He then seemed offended and was like, what are you talking about? I was like, sorry to offend, when I came up earlier you had on yellow pants, so I assumed something happened. He scoffed at me and said, I've been wearing these pants all night. I don't own yellow pants, you must be confused. I'm thinking he's being weird and should just admit he got puked on, but whatever. Go back to the lab, print the orders, and finally draw the patient. I stopped to talk to one of the nurses for a moment on my way back down, and she says something like, I saw you talking to Dr. X. He's being weird tonight, right? And she seemed kind of shaken. I said, yeah, he was wearing those hideous pants and then tried to pretend he wasn't. She told me he walked into a room on one side of the wing wearing the yellow pants right before the time change and then walked out seconds later from the other side of the wing wearing black. I was weirded out and went back down to the lab where the techs asked me where the samples were for the patients I had drawn after first asking Dr. X to reorder. I opened the centrifuge I had left them in and they weren't in there. The orders showed that the labels had never been printed and when I apologetically went to redraw the patients, they had no idea who I was and didn't have cotton and tape on their arm from when I'd drawn them earlier. I still have absolutely no explanation for this. It appears that everything between first receiving the incorrect order and returning to ask him to reorder for the second time never happened. The techs didn't remember me showing them that he had ordered incorrectly the first time or anything. The only reason I didn't check into a psychiatric facility was the nurse who corroborated my story. We hardly knew each other at the time, but we trauma bonded over the experience and have talked about it so many times. The weirdest part to me is that it coincided with daylight savings starting. That is completely a societal construct. Nothing actually happens when we move the clock, so what the heck? I still get the chills when I think or talk about it. And because people always question why I was so tuned into the clocks and know exactly when things happened, I was working a shift that was going to be an hour shorter that night. We all kind of watch the clock and do a mini celebration when the time changes. We need to get rid of some evidence. Don't go anywhere. 
Disturbed is brought to you by a brand new sponsor, Thrive Market, an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. You know, it's the new year, and I know most of those resolutions are about being healthier. Well, Thrive Market carries all of your favorite clean brands that don't clean out your wallet. Here's what sets Thrive apart. You get to shop everything from ethically sourced pantry essentials to sustainable meat and seafood to non-toxic cleaning and beauty products. A huge selection and wide range of products you will love. Now, every one of these items is vetted by Thrive's high standards, so you get the highest quality products at the best price. You're not going to find that everywhere. I love getting their Ultima Electrolyte Powder. I toss it in my water and man, that stuff gets me going and keeps me hydrated. Thrive has so many great products I can't get here locally, so it's been a godsend for me. Wisps Cheese Crisps and their grass-fed beef sticks are just a couple of my favorites. And aside from things I couldn't get locally, I actually ended up saving money, about 15 bucks, over ordering from different websites. And that's the thing too, you save so much time with Thrive. Every brand has been heavily screened so you don't need to waste time checking on products to check the quality. If it's on Thrive Market, it's good to go and you're going to love it. So I'm going to go ahead and hook Disturbed listeners up with an amazing offer. To get 40% off your first order and a free gift, join today at thrivemarket.com disturbed. That's 40% off your first order and a free gift when you join today at t-h-r-i-v-e market.com disturbed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule, history so interesting, it's criminal. Now back to the horror. Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad. Up next, we hear from Reddit user HamFX, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford, and we get surrounded by police officers. This story happened back when I was in college around 1998. I went to school on a converted military base. Now the base was shut down and a small part of it was now a campus. Now this means that there were a lot of back roads, etc. that were essentially abandoned. Well, other than the local and military police that still patrol the site. Now I lived in a small apartment on the base, a converted officer's quarters. And my girlfriend at the time was house-sitting about a half hour away. Near 1am she called me and woke me up. Panicked because she thought she heard someone walking around the outside of the house and asked me to come stay with her. I was worried, so I got up, threw on some clothes, and got moving. There's a way to save some time by cutting through the abandoned parts of the base. Sort of a shortcut, and since I was in a hurry, this seemed like the best way. Now, there was no power to this part of the base, so the street lights weren't working. 
It was pitch black aside from the light from my headlights. So I'm on this back road and suddenly I see flashing lights. I'm being pulled over. Granted, I was speeding, I was in a hurry, but I was also speeding sort of in the middle of nowhere. I pull over. The officer gets out and does the standard license and registration. I hand it over and I tell him about my phone call and how I was just wanting to make sure my girlfriend was safe. He goes back to his car and just sits there. Just sitting. A few minutes later, another police car pulls up. Through the rearview mirror reflection, I could see them talking and staring at me. Finally, the new officer comes up to my car and says, Get out of the car. I ask him why. He just repeats the order. But now that I'm out of the car, I realize both cars had two officers in them. So it was me and four police officers. They have me stand to the side while they start searching my car. One of them turns to me and says, You know, you seem to be in a big hurry in the middle of the night. What were you running from? I was kind of shocked at the accusation, but I told him the story I said to the first officer about my girlfriend's phone call. He turns away. The next officer tells me my car is pretty nice, and by how late it was and how fast I was driving, it seems like I stole it. This was also odd, and I pointed out the registration and my license all match. The officers begin talking again. One stands by me as the other three group together. Then, out of nowhere, two more cars and four more officers show up. And keep in mind, this is on a deserted road at around 1.30am with no lights. The seven of them start talking while an officer stays with me. One goes back to my car and pulls out a bag of tortillas that I assume fell out of a grocery bag earlier that day. He then looks at the other police and says, This kid was speeding in the middle of the night with food and supplies in his car. Sounds like someone who did something and needed to get away for a while. At this point, I'm both scared and pissed at the absurdity of what is happening, not to mention still worried about the call from my girlfriend. They all look at me waiting for a reply. I don't really know what to say. Finally, one officer says, You see the wear on these tires? This wear is from someone who does a lot of high-speed driving. You must like to speed, huh? And I say, Yeah, all the fucking time, angrily. And at that moment, I wished I could grab the words and take them back. The officer's face froze like this was the moment he'd been waiting for. He looked at the other seven police and then went back to his car and opened his trunk. I have no idea why. The officer who was standing near me then asked, Where are you from? I replied, Marin County. Another officer hears me and says, Ah, that's the town of Barbara Boxer, but I won't hold that too much against you. Boxer was a senator. I wish I could say I planned this, but out of my incredibly nervous mouth flew, Yeah, Diane Feinstein too. She's my neighbor. Feinstein was senator at that point. The truth was we lived near each other and I met her once, but that was it. The trunk cop overhears. What did that kid say? The officer next to me says, The kid says his neighbor's with Feinstein. They all pause and look out at each other. Trunk officer closes the trunk, comes up to me and gets in my face and says, Get the fuck out of here. So I got back into my car. The whole episode took 45 minutes. I drove to a main roadway and finally to my girlfriend, who was also worried because a 30-minute drive had taken me over an hour. And there was no cell phones back then. So I still have no idea what was going on, or what would have happened if my nervous mouth had just not blabbed that out. Are you loving the show? 
Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body. And finally, our title story is an email submission from Nina, featuring voice work by Rhiannon Mauschel. And we deal with an ever-present haunting. This has been a slow progression. I should point that out first. It took me years to realize it was really happening, honestly. Everything started when my parents purchased the home that they currently still live in. I was 12 and so excited for the move. I would finally have my own room and the home was so much bigger than anything we had had before. Plus it had a pool and the neighborhood was quiet. I mean, it was ideal and still is in a lot of ways. Perhaps two days or so into our move, I was up late unpacking and sorting my many, many books. Although I was the oldest of three kids, I was by no means the cool older sister. I was about as nerdy as one could be at 12. Anyway, I had spent too much time focused on unpacking that I realized suddenly I was not only incredibly thirsty, but so tired. I decided to stop for the night and headed downstairs to grab a glass of water. Now, I've never been particularly afraid of the dark, except for when my imagination gets the better of me on occasion. I had retrieved my glass of water and was walking back up the stairs in the dark. Near the top of the stairs, I got the sudden feeling I was being watched, and an intense sense of dread came over me. I paused and debated turning around. Part of my brain urged me to keep going, but another part couldn't help but turn. Slowly, I shifted my whole body to look back down the stairs, and that's when I saw her. A woman, in what looked like a plain white nightgown, was standing at the base of the stairs looking up at me. She had shoulder-length brown hair and an unassuming face. Nothing seemed ominous or dangerous about her, but I was rooted to my spot in fear nonetheless. Although she looked innocent enough, I knew she wasn't really there. It's hard to explain because she wasn't transparent or anything, but she just didn't seem to be all there. Like a channel on the TV that's just slightly off in how it's coming through. A vague flicker almost. She smiled slowly at me. A rather sweet smile, actually. Then she turned and just walked around the base of the stairs and disappeared into our living room. She never made a sound. I contemplated going down the stairs to see if she was there, but adrenaline was pumping my heart into overdrive and I sprinted the last few steps up the stairs and into my room instead. I never saw the woman again, but I firmly believe she's one of a few ghosts in my parents' home. A few years later, I found out my sister had seen the same woman when we moved in, but she had never said anything. I hadn't either, but we stumbled upon the realization when she finally confessed to believing our home was haunted and we described the same woman to one another. Over the years, a myriad of strange occurrences have happened in my parents' home and still do to this day. My father refuses to believe that any of it is real. We've heard people walking around upstairs when no one is up there, the sound of items moving about in the kitchen, voices, cold spots, mostly in my room, things going missing, you name it. The only thing we didn't encounter again was actual apparitions. Around 14 or 15 years old, I started having a strange phenomena happen to me at random times. Usually, it would happen just as I was drifting off to sleep, when I was napping lightly, or just after I had woken up. 
I would hear a male voice calling my name. Always the same voice, but every time was in a different tone. Sometimes pleasant, sometimes anxious, and other times borderline angry. Each time I thought it was my dad. I'd always call back, yes? Or I'd go find my dad and ask him what he wanted. It was never him, though. I was hearing a voice and I didn't know where it was coming from. I chalked it up to my brain playing tricks on me. At the time, I never thought to track when I heard the voice and whether things happened after I heard it. But now I do think there is a correlation. My room was the only bedroom that faced out the front of the house, and I usually got the afternoon sun. In the summers, that should have meant that my room would be warmer, but it was never the case. My room has always been consistently colder than the others. I think whatever or whoever has been following me attached itself during this time and it must have hung around a lot. The years passed and eventually I moved away for college. I have lived in many, many places in my life and in different states. Old apartments, brand new ones, houses, dorms, you name it. I've also worked in many kinds of places. Slowly over time though, I began to notice that no matter where I was or what kind of place I lived or worked in, the lighting or electronics would act weird around me. Generally, it's lamps and lights flickering in my office or apartment. Again, no matter what kind of place it was, it would happen. The lights never go out, but they noticeably flicker from time to time. I know, I know, most people would assume that's just my luck or coincidence, but every place I've been? Friends and exes have even commented on this strange activity. Depending on the place, I would also continue to lose things or occasionally hear movement in another room when I was home alone. My dogs would stare and growl at nothing now and then. Still, I continued to ignore it for years. I thought that whatever it was, it must not mean me harm since nothing bad had ever happened, other than being weirded out and sometimes anxious at the feeling of not being alone. Because things happened everywhere I went, I began to suspect that this thing was following me from place to place. After each move, things would be quiet and normal for a few weeks to even a couple of months. But inevitably, stuff would begin occurring again. Then, earlier this year, a friend of mine took me to see a tarot card reader. I was skeptical at what she could tell me, but after getting a reading about basic stuff in my life, my friend prompted me to ask about the strange occurrences and the voice I hear now and then. I briefly explained the unusual things that had happened to me since childhood, and the tarot reader began pulling cards. Slowly, she explained to me that I did have something following me, a male ghost to be exact. She told me that he had been attached to the land my parents' house was built on and had lived there back before there was even missionaries in the state. Apparently, he had been called away to fight somewhere else, and when he returned, his wife and two daughters were dead. It's unclear if they were murdered or succumbed to some sort of illness, but he had been utterly shattered and wasted away until he too passed. The tarot reader claimed that this was one of the entities from my parents' home, and while I was living there for some reason, he had grown attached to me. She postulated that perhaps the spirit had adopted my family and subsequently viewed me as family. When I left, he had simply started to follow, unwilling to be parted from me. I was skeptical of this to say the least, but the tarot reader assured me that the spirit meant me no harm. In fact, he was my protector 
and I should try to get to know him and listen to him when I heard things or saw signs. <laughs> okay, sure, lady. My friend, ever a believer, asked what this spirit's name was, and the tarot reader simply said, ask him. What, ask a ghost its name? No thanks. But for weeks after I saw that woman, things began to increase. My roommate's printer would turn on and start operating on its own. The lights flickered more, and once we found one of our Halloween decorations completely turned around, as if someone had picked it up and turned it to face the wall. It was on top of a bookshelf my son couldn't reach, nor could my dog. My roommates were up and down that she hadn't done it either. Finally, I relented, and before I went to sleep one night, I asked out loud, All right, if you're around, spirit, tell me your name. Nothing happened. I huffed slightly in irritation and went to sleep. He responded in my dreams. I dreamt of nothing but shades of color and a sense of movement. Nothing was clear and I felt so confused throughout the whole thing. I had never had a dream like this before. It was like I knew there were people and objects around me, but I couldn't make anything focus and I couldn't stop shifting. On top of everything were the repeating words echoing around my head, the power of will, the power of will, the power of will, over and over again. When I woke up, I was speechless for most of the morning. Eventually, I told my roommate, but I just told her that the spirit's name was Will. I didn't want to scare her with the dream. Personally, I think he was showing me how he views our world. It's disorienting and a bit frightening if that's the lens he sees everything through and I pity him for that. Sound is the only thing that seems clear there. Since learning his name, I have begun talking out loud to him now and then. Occasionally, I get a response with a light flicker, or once recently, all of my lights went out in my apartment just after I voiced my question. I don't know if that means he's getting stronger. I moved into my current apartment about a month ago and I haven't had a chance to sage the place. Last week, I was sitting on my son's bed, reading him a bedtime story. My 75-pound pit bull mix was sitting on the floor, facing out my son's doorway, happy to be a part of the activities. Suddenly, my dog's head came up and he sat very still, staring out of the doorway at attention. This is unusual for him. He didn't move, not even when I said his name. More unusual. After a minute or so, he very quietly began to growl. It never raised above a low tone, but the way he did it seemed to mean business. I tentatively called out, Will, is that you? If it's not, please protect us from whatever is out there. I need you. A few moments passed, and just as suddenly as my dog had started, he relaxed. His ears went down and he settled back on the floor. Prior to this night, I had been hearing creaks on the floor, as if someone was walking around my living room and kitchen. I have been too busy to say I felt anything in particular, but I will say that my room does feel safe. I'm not sure if there's anything in this place, or if it is just Will settling in, but I'm hoping he is in fact a protector. I'll also note that my dog has never acted like that before. Sure, he's occasionally stared off at nothing and looked as though he was tracking something in the room, but he's never growled before. I'm not sure what to think. I'm now 32, 
and it is surprising to me still to think that this has been happening for 20 years now. Is this a good spirit meant to follow me and now my son as a shield from the other side? Or is it a slow trick for me to let it in, growing stronger as the years go on? I hope it's the former. I guess we'll see. Wish me luck. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. If you'd like to get your story on the show, you can find all submission options at disturbedpodcast.com. Disturbed is an independent production funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more. And a big thanks to our newest supporters, Amber, Braddy, Joseph, Stephanie Leanne, Emily McDonald, and Faith Partridge. They all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases, and you can too. Patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. Music by Carl Casey at whitebataudio and co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.